I remember one time in college, I cleaned my windshield off with a banana because I didn't have any windshields. Huh? <laughs> what? You did what? <laughs> I was going to work and wasn't expecting for it to snow. And I was like, I only have my hand or this banana to clean off my windshield. So, so banana, banana, it was. Was. banana it was. It worked. Wow. You know? <laughs> That's Please tell me you're recording this. Remarkable. Actually, I am. <laughs> Thank God. I did just It was sure. a real college moment for me. <laughs> the banana. Was the did banana it, unopened? Oh, yeah. So it was like a work banana? snack. Or did I mean, you yeah, it, it was an appeal. Okay, so you ate I the banana just... and then you used the peel. No, it was unpeeled. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> Wait, I don't understand. It was an unpeeled banana. I thought you just used the I peel. I was transporting the yeah, banana to work for a snack. And then I used oh. it to wipe off the windshield. Got it. Okay. And it's an appeal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is gonna be uh this is gonna be a fun time. We'll have some uh we'll have some fun. <laughs> I've never heard this story. <laughs> it's a good one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Westside Chats. My name is Joe Thibodeau. I'm one of the co-owners of Westside Yoga, uh, along with my wife, Corey, who is sitting here not too far away from me. This is our podcast. This is episode number one. We're very anxious. We're very excited. I think there's a lot of emotions floating around the room. We do have another guest in the room as well, Caitlin Jesus, one of our beloved teachers at the studio. So hi, Caitlin. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do here with our first episode, give just a little bit of a background on our intention with the show, what we want to accomplish, what our goal is, and what you all as listeners can expect. So each episode is going to be based on a chakra. We're kind of setting this up like a show with seasons. Um, so this is season one, episode one, and we're starting with root chakra. The idea is that we'll kind of move through each chakra each week as we release a podcast. That chakra can serve as a thematic background for us. It can help guide our conversation. If there's something from that chakra that is speaking to us that we think is helpful either for us or our clients, how to incorporate learnings from that in your everyday life, on the mat, in the classroom, at home, I think that's kind of our goal is to go with that. But really, it's just a chat. It is West Side Chats. We just want to have conversations that our clients think are important, see what's important to our teachers, and provide another platform, another way to connect with all of you. So I think that's pretty much it. Corey, did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. You covered it. I'm so excited. I know. This is Hi, everybody. really, really, really exciting. I've never been on a podcast before. <gasps> Caitlin, congrats. <laughs> Corey and I have done it. We, First we, one. We've done a couple times with other people's podcasts. Uh, shout out David and Maddie Keener who host a podcast that I can't remember the name of it. Uh, sorry, guys. I know it's a Harry Potter podcast. And they... You guys would be on a Harry Potter No, no, podcast. no, just no, no, me. No, 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 I was no. the reoccurring Horror. guest. Yes. Each episode is a chapter of a Harry Potter book. So literally, it's like an hour long for each episode, but it's just one chapter out of each book. It's pretty fantastic. So there's a little bit of podcast experience, but first yeah. time on a podcast. Yeah. Pretty easy. Going well Not so far. It is a little hot in this room. Um, oh, that's actually a good thing I should probably call out. So we are in a room across the street from the studio. We do have housemates in this space, so there might be a little bit of background noise. We do have the street right outside the studio here. Some cars like to rev up and go fast. There's a little bit of background noise. 
it's part of the charm. So sorry in advance. So like I mentioned before, right? So our first episode here, we're going to focus on root chakra. There's quite a few ways that we could tackle this to start. One of the ways that I think would be helpful is to give a little bit of a background. What is root chakra? What does it represent? Just a little bit of basic information about it. Corey's giving me eyes like, what are you about to read? Sure am. <laughs> yeah, sure am. Okay, don't worry about it. It's very, very, very You're putting basic, yourself on the spot here, Joe. Naive information. I am putting myself <laughs> on the spot. So root chakra. Chakras generally, there are seven chakras. There are different positions in the body where those chakras reside. Okay, Corey's making faces at me. You wanna you wanna describe me? Yeah, I think I'll take over. <laughs> okay, go I'm gonna ahead. call an audible here, coach. <laughs> Knock it out. <laughs> Caitlin and I do teach about the chakras every week. So it has been something that we have talked a lot about over the past almost year. We think about it in terms of the body movement. We think about it in terms of our everyday life. And most simply, the chakras are just the energy centers in the body. And there are times when one or two of them may be in balance and maybe a couple of them are out of balance. And that can fluctuate day by day, moment by moment. And what we just try to do is bring awareness to those energy centers in the body so that we can recognize when we might be in balance or out of balance and talk about the things that we can do to bring those that are out of balance back into balance. And we talk about that through movement, through mental cues, visualization. Caitlin can talk a lot about that. That's really her mm-hmm. bread and butter. But that's the idea with, with the chakras. Yeah, and they're thought to be in movement. So they can be underactive or overactive. So if you think of the chakra spaces as wheels, if you're thinking of it in movement, there's kind of an ideal pace that you would like to be on when we're talking about being balanced. So it can go in either direction for each of the spaces. And they definitely build on each other too. And we can get into this. And that's why roots the most important because if we're not balanced in our root, which we can get into is our safety, our security, our trust in ourselves and in our environment, then there's no way we're going to be able to be balanced through the rest of the body. And that's where you get overactive and mm-hmm. underactive energy yeah. centers. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Probably should have let you guys start with that <laughs> to begin with, but part of the learning process, that's fine. We're all um, learning together. No, it's great. Okay. So I'll give a little bit of just basic chakra information, things like what is the name of it? What is it supposed to represent? Some common buzzwords that might be associated and we can kind of take it from there. Sound good? Perfect. Yeah. So root chakra. Um, Chakras all have a name that is going to be based in an original Sanskrit name, very similar to the asanas that we practice in yoga. You know, you will know something as tree pose, but there is actually going to be a Sanskrit name behind it. Same applies for chakras. Root chakra is muladhara which is a Sanskrit word with two parts, uh, mula for root and adara for base or support. It's typically represented by the color red. There tends to be a different color that represents each chakra. Typically with root chakra, the secret's in the name, right? It, it is the root. It's, you know, you guys might want to speak about this a little more. In preparation for this, what I saw was that it is sort of your source of grounding, stability, security, safety, These are kind of some of the terms that you can associate with how to think about this. With this chakra, what do you guys think of? What resonates with you when you you think about this? Take it away, boss. All (laughs) righty. This one is the one I think about daily. If you know me and you come to class, you know that I only practice on a red mat, which is not because I like the color red. No, you're an orange gal. I am an orange gal. 
those are that's my accent color. The red mat is purposeful because when I come to class, most of the time I am the opposite. I am not feeling grounded necessarily, meaning that I'm thinking about other things. And that color is a visual reminder for me to release all of that and just tune into my body. So if you're curious why, that is why I always have a red mat and that's what I practice on. But that was not the question. The question was, <laughs> what comes to mind when I think of root? I always think of this feeling of, Joe said it, and I said it earlier, of safety and security. And with your own self and your own body, but also your environment. And in the studio, in the yoga room, I'm always aware of this, trying to create, and all of the instructors are, create an environment a space where you feel safe walking into and being able to talk to people, to ask questions, to try something new, to close your eyes, which can be something that's really scary to do. So for me, it's always safety and security and how can we create that in the environment. And that's just something that I I always like to make sure, and this is just in my daily life, I always like to make sure that everyone feels accepted and happy and welcome to a fault sometimes. And and so that's what comes yeah. to mind for me. I feel like root chakra has the most tangible connections for me. So the phrase that comes to mind is be where your feet are. So oftentimes... Mm -hmm. When we are off balance with root chakra, we tend to be kind of lost in the crown or within our thoughts. And root chakra for me at least has kind of that opposite of be exactly where you, your feet are and be able to be in connection with your five senses and understand where your body is in space and understand the environment that you're kind of bringing up here as well. And I even think within a yoga practice, we try very intentionally to do a lot of this through the cueing that we're doing, right? So we're not trying to, as teachers, be the expert in the room when we're doing cueing for our students. We're trying to help them bring awareness to their bodies with their own touch or their own fine movement and thing, things like that so that they can kind of have that grounding of like, I know my body best and I am safe within what I feel comfortable doing today. And that can look very different from what the rest of the room is doing. And I think that's something that we definitely try to facilitate in class, at least for root chakras, letting people guide their own practice in a community space that it feels comfortable for them to express their individuality, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, totally. I feel like the way that I have been starting pretty much all of my classes is very minimal words from me and a lot of, okay, get into tabletop and just do what you want to do. Would that only be when you're specifically trying to focus on root chakra activation or is that? No, that would be always because we always, I think out of all of the chakras that we bring awareness to in a class, a general class that's not specifically created to focus on a specific part of the body is I mean, you hear it all the time. Get mm -hmm. grounded. Be yeah. present. And that's really hard to understand if you're new to a yoga space, mm -hmm. if you have no body awareness, if that's new to you, or mm -hmm. if it's uh, was something that maybe you had once but stepped away and you're trying to get back. And so anything that we can do in the room to facilitate 
that safe environment where people can start to feel grounded. So when I say get into tabletop, that's the first time your hands are on the floor probably. So cueing, you know, press each finger down, feel that connection of your finger pad into your mat and then feel the response of the mat back into your finger. And from there, okay, move in whatever way feels good. Maybe I'll throw out a few Mm -hmm. things like cat cows or hip circles, but you'll see over time where, especially on my Saturday morning, where I have the same clients every week because it's 8 a.m. on Saturday, I can see people getting more comfortable and they're actually listening to what their body is telling them that they need to feel good. Yeah, I agree. I almost do like a little bit of the opposite where I kind of bring that wheel of awareness approach to it. So I'll Mm, start mm -hmm. class in stillness and then invite people to explore different things that are happening internally and externally and then giving the class permission to switch between those because some people don't feel comfortable in their body. So we don't necessarily want Mm -hmm. to say like, you have to focus on your breath for the whole practice because that feels like shit for some people. So if you're giving them opportunities to pay attention to the music in the room or the birds chirping outside or the temperature in the space or the sweat dripping down their skin or things like that, it gives them more of a sense of control of how to find their present moment than things that might be uncomfortable for them that we could never know just by seeing somebody walk into the room. That's what it is too, is that we don't know what people are feeling when they walk in. And so we have to create the space where they have the space to tune in. And all we can do is be there to provide the space. Is that challenging when you, like Corey, you mentioned before, right? You're usually coming into the space and you're not grounded. A lot of chaos going on might need to take some time to kind of settle things in. What does that feel like when you come in and you're expected to provide this safe, grounding, secure environment for clients, and yet you come in and you might feel like you're not there yourself? That's great question because most of the time I do feel quite frantic arriving. There's two things that I do. One is there was actually a really funny TikTok <laughs> that showed this visually and and it was comical. Corey's bringing up TikTok. And it was comical, but it was true, but it was this guy and and he was going to, you know, pretending to be a teacher, was going to teach class and had the whole, "Oh, hi, how are you?" welcoming everybody in and then closed the door and took this breath and like then put on their like actor face and was like, hi, everybody. Welcome to class. Now that is dramatic and I don't do that. But what I do make sure I do is I do make sure that everyone's in the room. I lock the studio door and I do take a moment to take a few breaths and get myself ready. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I always do is that I go in and I share literally what is on the top of my mind. And people might think that I'm doing it to be funny or I don't know, but I'm really just doing it so that you can see a part of me and understand what I am bringing to the table today. And that comes back to creating community as safety as well. So when we Mm -hmm. are able to authentically connect with people in the room and develop that sense of humanness and relationship and not I'm the expert, you're the student, it creates Mm -hmm. that sense of safety, even if it's coming across as a joke about something that happened with Plato that day. Right. Or or even when I walk in and I, this happened a few weeks ago, I said, does anyone else want to teach? 
I would love to take <laughs> class right now. And everybody laughed because obviously no one else is going to get up and teach. But I was being honest by saying, man, I really am the one who needs to take the class. But at least if you know that and we're in this together, you're going to understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And then the community feel is stronger. And I had a really great experience in class this past Wednesday. We were teaching about Third Eye. And I walked in and I talked about how I did feel very frantic arriving. And I started to feel myself getting riled up on the road in. I was late. I had had a long day. It was kind of a rough day. And I was sharing how this ladybug actually crawled across my windshield when I was on the highway. And I said, I'm not making this up. I'm not, you know, I know they're good luck or whatever, but like for real, this ladybug walked across and it did stop me from getting escalated to a point where I was then going to be really upset for no reason. And I shared that little tidbit and I really felt everyone kind of nodding and focusing in which you don't always get. And the energy in the room on that Wednesday was unbelievable because we were all together feeling similar. You know, people were nodding like, oh, yes, I feel frantic all the time when I arrive. And just even sharing that with the students creates a safe space. And then you as a teacher feel safe and comfortable as well if you mess up, if you get lost, mm-hmm. if you fumble. So it's a very long-winded answer to your question, but that's that's how. <laughs> yeah, this, I think, speaks to the differences in how people find grounding too, because for me, teaching is super grounding. So if I'm having a shit mm-hmm. day and I'm in a thousand different places in my head, when I start teaching, I feel like I almost always teach my best classes when I come in feeling like I'm in a thousand directions because I'm like here, there, everywhere before I walk in the room and then I get onto a mat to teach and it feels so focused and connected because I now am making sure that I'm keeping up with the sequence and cueing breath and paying attention to everyone's body awareness in the room and making sure I'm catering class to the students that we have and all of that is super grounding for me. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear different ways that people kind of come into the studio, too, like as teachers. I feel like people might just not really think about that or perceive that, that they might just assume that, Corey, like you said, right, like you're usually pretty bubbly and energetic, right? And sometimes it is kind of just an act that you're putting on. But in reality, you're kind of doing it so that you're getting that energy across and and helping to disarm and maybe a little bit of barrier that someone has walking to the studio, they're able to remove some of that just because you're you're making them feel more comfortable. It also makes me feel better too because if I am feeling like they're waiting for me to give them the best class of their life where mm-hmm. they're popping into arm balances and, and whatever, and I'm saying, guys, we're going to be real simple mm-hmm. today. Those are the best classes that I have. Yeah, I also feel like when we don't speak things out loud because we're social creatures and we're storytellers, we create stories about things in our head that are Mm -hmm. narratives that are not happening in the room. So if we're not speaking some of these things out loud and like witnessing the social reactions that are coming up, then we create these like false understandings of what people are expecting of us to or what assumptions people are going to make about the flow that we have planned that day or things like that. I feel like it's it's hard to actually root down if you have those things that are kind of biting at the edges of your mind, right? Like, Corey, you said the first thing you do, usually when you start a class is, I just kind of say the first thing that's on the top of my head. I like that a lot because 
it's kind of just taking the first thing that's there. Presumably, whatever's on the top of your mind is bugging you a lot or has a lot of importance or implication or whatever it is. And you're kind of just like grabbing it and throwing it away. You're just like, I need to take class today. Who wants to teach? Like, that's like an intrusive thought, right? Like, obviously, no one's going to teach the class. But for you, it helps to set the tone of I've got to get myself grounded. I have to get this out of my head. Totally. I've never really expressed out loud that that is what I do, but it Mm -hmm. is what I do. And then if you get a laugh from the room versus having that thought held in your head the entire class, it takes the course of how you're teaching so much differently. Yeah. 100%. It brings in that mm -hmm. element of safety, right? Yes. Someone might come in and be a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. Maybe they have something going on outside the studio that's really dragging them down, some big you know, personal situation, whatever it might be. And so they might already be starting off from a place of hesitance, fear, anxiety. And then as soon as you give them that opportunity to, you know, hey, this is a safe space. Everything's fine. You can relax. Giving them the freedom to do that and settle in helps it allows that rooting to take place and to get resettled. Totally. And I don't think that people realize teachers or instruct any type of person that's supposed to come and lead a group of people. I don't think people realize how difficult that is mm-hmm. mentally. And yes, I've been doing this for a long time. So it is easy for me to get in front of a group of people and talk. Sure. But there are some days when you walk in and if you're feeling up in your head and you look around and maybe all your regulars aren't there and it's a group of strangers, it's still a group of strangers. Mm -hmm. And all you can think about is, wow, am I going to give them what they want? Am I going to give them something that feels good? And sometimes that's why I'm just be like, so does that feel good, you guys? (laughs) You know, just like, because I need need the reassurance. And if I maybe get a little nod, okay, great. (laughs) Even though I know it's good. But sometimes you just need a little affirmation, a little nod, a little affirmation. affirmation. Yeah, of course. um, Which just helps me continue to stay present in the moment instead of getting totally lost, making up some story that everyone hates what I'm putting Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, I feel like we kind of chatted a little bit before this podcast about this, too. But I think part of this is also accepting that your style is not for everyone when you're teaching. So Mm -hmm. I think the thing that is most appreciated about Westside is that we have so many teachers who have so many different approaches and different styles of music and different styles of cueing. And it's nice to be able to have some variety in what the whole studio offers, because then it also gives us the safety of like, I did my best with what I can do today. And if that's not for all of my students, it doesn't mean that it's not a good fit for the community. So we can still be receptive to feedback and all of those things, but. Sorry, I think I see one of our teachers running to the (laughs) studio. So hopefully, hopefully everything's okay and no one's late, but it might not have been a teacher. It might have just been a person with a yoga mat. Sorry. I know, I'm sorry. I totally, I totally, I'm sorry. We got to keep the windows closed. Caitlin's saying a really important thing about the studio, which. I completely agree. You know, I, I think that is what, people see about the studio that's the the safety that they feel right it's it is it's special i think it's it's really nice um sorry go ahead that was it i think for that yeah yeah? Yeah. (laughs) no i just think that's the that is the biggest thing too i think that as an instructor you can remember too again to help with the 
I am doing what I know I can do. And Mm -hmm. if someone, it's not for them, that's okay. And they're going to find someone else who suits them better. And And it doesn't mean that we're unopen to feedback. It's always accepted. It's just a good like reassurance of there's billions of people in this world and there's going to be some that like you, some who don't give a shit about you. And you can't have every single person who walks into your class appreciate you. And that doesn't mean that you have to misalign with your authentic teaching either for that person. Totally. Totally. You know, I was thinking a little bit while you guys were talking about the concept of being grounded or being rooted in one spot. I think when we think of that, and it's specifically when we use that visualization of root, like a tree root, actual rooting into the ground, I think we tend to think of something really physical. Or at least that's the manifestation that we come up with when we think of of root chakra, at least for me, right? It's physical, it's grounding, it's sitting down and meditating, connecting your butt to the earth, right? I mean, that, that's what it is. But I think when we look at potentially the symptoms of someone who might be out of balance in their root chakra, who, who might just generally feel ungrounded, it's almost never a sense of being physically ungrounded. Sometimes it probably could. It could be someone who's far away from home, traveling a lot, has to travel for work, right? That person might be someone who feels very ungrounded and it could be more of a a physical sensation. But I think for a lot of people, and especially for me, that ungrounding, that lack of rootedness is definitely more mental Mm -hmm. unrooting than it is. Well, let me ask you a question Okay, based on your question. Most people might not know, but Joe moved around as a kid a lot. Um, And continue to do so, not as a kid. (laughs) And Well, we've been here for a while, but... This is is the anomaly. We finally started some rooting, but yes, here, yeah. So I'm curious. It's interesting that you asked that question as somebody Mm -hmm. who was physically uprooted multiple times throughout childhood. How, thinking back on that, how did you feel being physically uprooted? Shit, you got me. That's a good one. Welcome to you the podcast, Joe. No, yeah, well, welcome to the podcast. Everyone be ready. Um, no, it's a... I don't know. It's a good point. Maybe I think that way because for me, there's not really any such thing as physical <laughs> groundedness. I don't know. I did move around a lot as a kid. I was a military brat. Continued to do so in college continued to do so after college and even up until just recently was traveling for work and doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know. For me, it's my sense of rootedness has maybe never really been associated with where I'm physically at. It's almost always been more of a, I feel rooted if I feel grounded and comfortable in my mind. It doesn't feel like a sense of feeling rooted from my roots, from my feet, from my sit bones, right? I don't have that sensation. So are you comfortable in most places? I would say so. When you travel, do you ever feel like you, like when I travel, the first few days, I feel, you know this. Yeah. I feel, obviously, I feel out of sorts. Yeah, for those who didn't know, <laughs> we're married. So, I feel yeah. out of sorts, <laughs> usually have a stomach ache. I know all these things are common, but for me, I feel like it's very... um mm-hmm heightened and elevated more of like the physical things that we know just happen in the body when you travel and change time zones. But I always feel very nervous and unsure and nothing is familiar. And I feel like I feel unwell. I feel ungrounded. And I usually feel fine. (laughs) And you feel fine. 
Yeah, for me, I can feel comfortable anywhere. I know that. I can um, get really nerdy here yeah. if you guys want. So oh, love that. there's something that's called polyvagal theory that's become very trendy, but it's based on our nervous system's communication with our brain. And the Cliff Notes version of this is that when we feel safest, we are able to access our playfulness more readily than if we're feeling unsafe or like we have to run or hide or be something different than what we are. And I think this is kind of circling back around to that place that we were talking about before of like different things create that sense of safety to be authentic and playful for folks. So for you, Corey, it sounds like it's more physical locations or familiarity of locations. And Joe, it sounds like it's more like, I don't know, environment, people, do you have any thoughts on what it might be for you? For me, I would say it's just more, it's more mental. Mm. I don't really have a better, it does come back a lot to, I care very much about what other people think of me. I, I have a decent understanding of where that comes from, but I'm always concerned with others' perception of me, I think is how I'd put it. So when I feel like I am at peace with how I'm being perceived in the world or how others perceive me or I'm comfortable with my interpretation of their perception if we want to get really fucking crazy here. Um, you know, this is not a psych <laughs> topic, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, no, I think that is it, it for me feeling ground, like people say feeling grounded, right? Do you feel grounded? That's like a really simple way to say it. First off, I'd say most of the time, no, I don't. But when I think about that and I try to feel that in my body, it's more of a mindset yeah. than it is yeah. a physical sensation. Yeah. And even within this theory, the idea is that your body has cues based on how we sense things from the environment. And it's bi-directional. So 80% of that information goes up to your brain and 20% of the information goes from your brain to your body. So oftentimes what happens is we get this physical sensation in our body first and then it goes up into our brain and we make sense of it and then kind of put language to it. Um, so it kind of sounds like you have a relationship with your nervous system that's kind of mm. allowing for you to interpret safety in more than one location, probably because you had to so often. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We should probably um, say to our friends that might not know, Caitlin, what your other oh, job is. Oh, I am is. a licensed <laughs> mental health counselor. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I do a lot of like clinical work and have always been super passionate about the intersection of mental and physical health what was that called? Polyvagal? Yes. Yeah. So we have a vagus okay. nerve. It's called not like yes. Viva Las Vegas, mm -hmm. V-A-G-U-S. <laughs> that runs between the brain and the body and is like the communicator. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basal vagal reactions. Old favorite of ours. <laughs> um, passing out. It's a great time. I'm giving Corey a little dig for for those that don't know. What for all the times I almost fainted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're okay to talk about that a little bit, Corey, you used to have a lot of fainting episodes as a teenager. I know there were a lot of circumstances around that time that might have precipitated that. But when you think back to that time, is there any, you know, I'll turn the question back to you. When you would not feel rooted, would that come from a mental place or a physical place? Mm. It depends. In my life right now, it is a physical place and also people. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I feel the most comfortable when I'm near people. 
well, I can people that you like. Honestly, I can get along with most people, but people that I like, not people that I like, people that I'm close with that are comfortable with me. This is going to sound like with physical touch. Like mm. I am a, I really like to hold like my friend's hands or like touch their leg. And again, my friends that know me and are fine with me doing this. Sure. And Joe knows as my husband, I am definitely more of someone who wants to like hold hands and get that physical touch. And it isn't for a PDA. A lot of the times it's because I sometimes need to feel that physical pull of somebody else in my hand because it obviously does mm-hmm. something to me mentally where then I feel okay. And I cannot stand holding hands <laughs> as Courtney yeah. So this is a this is a this is a very fun I mean I'll hold a foot. Like I will hold a shin, <laughs> I'll hold a kneecap. Like I just want some sort of like it's physical. sensory. That's like the tangible piece that I think I was yeah. saying before is it's like your five senses, like things that you can feel, things that you can hold, yeah. things that you can yeah. smell or experience or whatever that looks like for people. Which is why I hug everybody. And for me, again, it helps when I like individually press my fingers into mm-hmm. the mat or if I feel my fingers pressing into my thigh or something like that physical pressure. That's why I do that during class, because that's what yeah. helps me. Um, and that's what I know works to help me feel grounded. And I think probably, Joe, what you're asking when I was younger, a lot of that was probably more me trying to well, a couple of things. I get vasovagal reactions when I have to get some sort of a shot. <laughs> or take a pill. Or take a, any type of um, medication. And that's something that's like a loss of control, mm-hmm. I think. And control is part of root chakra too, feeling in control of your body. And so I am just hyper aware of that. And I just want to do everything I can to be in control, which is why I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't do any of those things that would take me Mm -hmm. out of that, which probably means it's probably a little overactive, but I've never really thought that much about it until right now, to be honest. That's why I hug everybody. (laughs) I just like need that physical connection so I can feel okay in the world. (laughs) It's funny because like I'm a hugger too, but when I'm upset, I don't want any physical touch. Yeah. And it's all sensory because you can be over or under stimulated. So the way that you treat that or you kind of like naturally gravitate towards different edges depending on if you need to like bring it down or bring it up right for folks listening you know when we talked about doing this podcast a long time ago right you guys teaching the west side flow um it's one of our class formats here at the studio uh also moves through chakras uh different chakra each week you guys will kind of structure your class um according to that For root chakra, right, we've talked about a lot of different elements within root chakra, right? How we get rid of things that might be bothering us or causing us to feel ungrounded, feeling safe, feeling secure, physical versus mental manifestations of that. For folks at home, what are some things that you guys think people can do? Or maybe what are some of the things that you guys do at home? to help you feel grounded. And I recognize, right, this is going to be different for absolutely everyone. Everyone's going to have something different that speaks to them or provides them with some sort of relief or ease of comfort. If you know me, 
smell is which, one. Which which I do. Which you do. Yeah. And maybe some listeners do. Caitlin, I'm sure, knows. And if you really know me, you know that smells really do send me off the edge mm-hmm. if I can't identify them or... Wow, I'm so difficult, <laughs> huh? Um, <laughs> well, you should tell them about when you wouldn't let me cut onions while you were pregnant. That's a different <laughs> smell. That wasn't my fault. That was hormones. That one wasn't making me anxious. I just wanted to puke. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Yeah, avoid Corey, going w- up Corey here. wouldn't let me. <laughs> yes, right. Corey I'm wouldn't talking let me about cut onions. You asked me how I how I get grounded at home. You yeah. know this. So mm-hmm. smells are a really big thing for me. So if I can put some eucalyptus in my diffuser, I have this um, energy cleansing spray that I. I mean, I like will spray. <laughs> sometimes I just smell helps me and smell helps me in instances where I don't feel Mm -hmm. grounded so when I'm traveling I always have oils with me especially when I'm on an airplane I'm like huffing (laughs) like like the oils up my nose people must think I'm like crazy because we we, we, no we took a vacation recently um just Corey and I no dogs no kids it was fantastic and literally on the plane there (laughs) We both like had stuffy noses and just didn't feel great. And Corey pulls out uh, eucalyptus oil and I saw it and I was like, did you bring eucalyptus oil? She's like, yeah. I was like, can I have some? I literally like closed one nostril. <laughs> like I'm snorting a line, like no, close one nostril, like. shoved the other one up the left nostril and just, you know, went for it. And it was so I always feel bad. Should I be so asking good. the person next to me if they hate the smell or is no. it just kind of like you're on a plane publicly, this is what you get? Who would hate the smell of... I don't know, I don't know about weird. etiquette. Well, eucalyptus oil could be pretty... Um, yeah. I mean, smells most closely associated with memory. So oftentimes mm. it's the easiest one for people to use to ground, whether that be a home-cooked meal that reminds them of something that feels familiar or a smell that you tend to be grounded by in general or just enjoy or things like that. That's definitely a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. So smell smells at home, Core. What else? Yeah. I do oils. oils. I do sprays. Palo Santo and sage can be really good. And again, I wouldn't say I have any tie to a home-cooked meal smell, but I can imagine that some people do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anything. I mean, if the smell of gasoline grounds you, then great. Like if that reminds you of summers on the lake, now I'm getting a nice memory. (laughs) I was just going to say, it it reminds me of fishing with my grandpa. Right. So I think anything. Stopping at the dock to get gas for the boat. See, memories. So fun. (laughs) Memories. Memories, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I don't know why gasoline was the first (laughs) one that came to mind. I know. That's a. (laughs) Yeah. We should unpack that later. Um, It could be any smell that makes you take that Mm -hmm. breath. You're like, yes, I am. I am at homeostasis. I have arrived. Yeah. I'm so the reason I'm so drawn to the intersection of like mental health and physical health was because dance was so healing for me when I was a kid. So if Mm. I felt like I needed to escape stress or I was in a place that I was feeling uncomfortable or whatever, when I went there, I felt really comfortable with all the people that I was around. So now I feel like it's almost ingrained in me to associate music and movement as my grounding technique. So I would say those are probably my two big ones at home, music and any kind of movement at all. Even if it's like tidying up or cooking, like it doesn't have to be yoga or things like that, like going to play with my dog outside, anything that's just not stillness kind of works for me. Hmm. Cleaning grounds me too. I don't know why. I was just thinking the other day that it, it was grounding for me too. I like cleaned up a section of my closet and was like, I feel pretty good. I feel a lot better. 
yeah, I don't know if it's like an organizational thing or just feeling like you've cleansed your space now and then you can finally, I can't, Joel always say, oh, Corey, just, you know, relax. You don't have to do that right now. Just sit down. And you're like, no, but I want to. I literally cannot. You don't understand. I cannot sit down and put my feet up and watch a TV show until this place is cleaned. And no one's yeah. making me clean it. The world would still spin if I let the plate sit. But I just, I just can't. Mm-hmm. So I guess cleaning also grounds <laughs> me. Yeah. So clean up your dishes, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> clean your closet. Clean your closet. Clean your dishes. <laughs> clean behind your ears. Gross. Whatever your mom what? told you to do. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> Pia That's is okay. Pia is obsessed. So I usually do the nighttime routine. Pia is our daughter. She is obsessed with asking to get her ears clean, which I know is like terrible, <laughs> and you're not supposed to do it if you're like a doctor listening to me or a pediatrician. So sorry. Sometimes I just take the Q-tip and like clean like around the ear, you know. Like the so, outside of the, the ear. The outside yes. of the ear. But yes. she just, she goes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then she gets a Q-tip from the thing um, and knows that only mama's allowed to do it. But yeah. it's so cute. Yeah. Let me think of that. Everyone's going to have something that's different for them, right? For me, I usually need like silence. And I usually need to be by myself. You know, cleaning is nice. It'll make me feel better. But, you know, if I really am feeling ungrounded, like my mind most of the time is going 24-7. There, It's just a constant record. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But it is constant. It is very rarely silent. Working out helps a little bit, but my own head doesn't shut up. So for me to really feel grounded, I have to be in silence or I have to be by myself take time away from others going in nature helps Mm -hmm. a lot like if i go sit outside Mm. you know that can that can do the trick do you feel like so if you don't know caitlin is nine months 38 weeks (laughs) 38 weeks pregnant waddled into the studio today so when i was pregnant i felt the most grounded and secure that I've ever felt in my life. And the anxiety uh, symptoms like the vasovagal reaction, sort of this feeling of living in the crown or anything went out the window. And I have never felt more incredible and grounded as I did. And I don't know if you had a similar experience. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've had all of these things that when I tell them to people, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. This has been your experience being pregnant because I've had like gestational diabetes and I have major hip pain because I have scoliosis and all of that stuff. But it's never the thing that I'm thinking of. It's never forward. I definitely think I feel the most decisive at this point mm-hmm. compared to other points in my life about what's serving me, what is not an in-service of me and my soon-to-be child. <laughs> and I think even just like, I don't know how to describe it. You can't really describe it until you're pregnant, but the movement of the baby and all of that stuff is so insane to experience. And that in and of itself is super grounding, I think. It is. And I know exactly what you're talking about, about the decisions and the things. And I mean, just the funny one that Joe's saying where I, I mean, there was two, three weeks when he wasn't allowed to cut vegetables. (laughs) But even the decision of like, no, you're done with that was, I mean, and Joe tried to, he was like, well, what am I supposed to eat? I said, too bad. I don't care. It was literally like, figure it out. Yeah, I can't cut onions. I'm supposed to cook for you. No, you're not cooking. Too bad. Figure it out. And then again, knowing exactly what serves you. And then I found that 
after giving birth, everything's kind of wacky and wild. You've lost, and not to scare you, again, it's positive, but you do lose the sense of, wait, I was carrying this baby. Now what is the purpose mm-hmm. of my body? And it changes and things are weird with the hormones fluctuating. And the practice of getting back to that feeling of grounding was really challenging yeah. for me. Yeah. And I felt absolutely, I mean, you know, you were there, <laughs> Caitlin, my best friends. Mm-hmm. I, I felt out of my body. I felt so up in the clouds. I had all these, like back to what Caitlin said about creating these narratives and stories that people were thinking. And it was a lot of work to get myself back. And I had to really focus on taking class, started to do things like acupuncture for myself, changing the type of exercising and workouts that I was doing so that I I was lifting weights and that actually helped me feel yeah. more grounded. Um, because again, in, in pregnancy, it was just this, I've just never felt that way mm-hmm. before so yeah. consistently. The major change in your body that happens when you are going through pregnancy and postpartum and stuff to really challenges the reason why a lot of people are physically active in the first place, right? There's so much social pressure to look a certain way or mm-hmm. have a certain body type. Or when we think about a healthy individual, there's a lot of things out there in social media that are showing you like this is what a healthy individual looks like when health can exist Mm -hmm. at so many different sizes and shapes for people. So I feel like for a lot of people, when you get to that postpartum space of like, wow, my body has gone through so much change in this last year from pre-pregnancy through pregnancy through now, you have to reassociate why you're even exercising, right? So like, Weight training was a huge thing for me, too, that I added in because I just enjoyed feeling strong. It wasn't about how it made me look. It was like, wow, this is feels so accomplishing to be able to feel like I know how to lift weights and that I can kind of like go up on my PR and all of that stuff, like in guidance of a person who's more of an expert than I. But Of course. I saw something on Instagram the other day. I don't know if it's true or not. It could be that it said the postpartum period. Oh, you know, seven years. Seven mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Did you see that too? So, I did see that. It made me feel so good. <laughs> to be clear. So, first off, no medical background on my end, none on Corey's end, really, like not experts. But to me, it did kind of highlight it is such a traumatic experience. Traumatic in the sense of there's a lot of things that are changing. There's a lot that is impacted by having a baby, right? I don't mean traumatic in the sense of deep trauma, but you know, from the technical definition, right? It is a traumatic experience. Saying seven years, right? You can't really measure that type of thing. Uh, Like, are you actually still in your postpartum period? But I think it does highlight people are in that stage way longer than they actually think they are. And way longer right? than yes. they're allowed we live in- to have. That's well, the and, one. And that's the, exactly right. For what we've allowed as a society, it's way fucking longer than that. But just even how people think of it, right? Like people who are trying to be kind to themselves might say, right, okay, I'm going to look at this postpartum period, right, as like two years. I'm going to give myself two years. Or but if again, you're in American culture, that's, it's like six weeks. Well, Yes. Well, it's insane. Well, that's what I'm saying. Six weeks that's and you I'm best saying. have your yeah. six pack back and be back in your size for whatever. Right. So, and I brought that up just to say, right, like it is such an ungrounding experience to have a child and, and go no, through No, it's a grounding that. experience to have a Sorry, child. The, the, it is the after Ungrounded that to raise the child. Starts, yeah. 
ungra- it becomes yes, ungrounded. Yes, raising a child is yeah. ungrounding. Absolutely. For I can sure. Only imagine. But what you said, what made but me think of... The postpartum period, right? It's way longer than we actually think it is. And so when we think about grounding, and I think this is true for everyone, not just people who are getting pregnant, it takes time to get grounded again. And I feel like a lot of people might get frustrated or might give up or not continue with something because they feel like I'm trying to do this thing. I'm making changes, but I don't feel. Yeah. And for that reason in class a lot, I emphasize, I would say at least once a class to just be an observer rather than a critic. So Mm -hmm. just noticing if it's easy or if it's challenging and instead of being critical or judgmental about the experience, trying to invite some compassion and some curiosity into that experience and why it's the case can be a huge, I think, mental shift for people as they're navigating some of that discomfort because it's Mm -hmm. now not, I'm uncomfortable and this is bad. It's I'm uncomfortable and I wonder why. And then it creates a different lane of movement for people and how they're navigating that at whatever pace they feel like they can. And this makes me think of two other things. Your question a few moments, well, more than a few moments ago about what you can do at home. Two things. Postpartum, the culture, the social media, all that garbage that we just put into our heads, and this isn't just postpartum, but for anything, turn off your phone at night. I mean, it is so hard to do, but that is one thing that I've been trying to do before bed is cut it off, set my alarm, and not go back on the phone. And then what you're talking about, Caitlin, is being an observer is just journaling at home. I was telling Caitlin this the other day. I've just started to do this. I'm like five days in on my journaling consistently. I know. And I really see a difference and I see a difference in my actual resting heart rate mm-hmm. when I'm sleeping. And let me tell you, I'm not doing anything different in my day to day. I'm not eating anything different. I'm doing everything the same, except I've been journaling and meditating for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And my resting heart rate has been dropping back to the levels where it had been previously before I had two dogs and a kid and mm-hmm. life was crazy. And Corey's usually wears a whoop. It's a fitness tracker. So, you know, we're able to see. If but I've her actually been wearing my aura ring, which oh, I love right. way yeah. more than um, the whoop and because any other Corey fitness Because Corey just trackers. can't have enough fitness wearables. <laughs> yeah, my thing lately has been, since the weather's been more conducive to it, same thing before getting on my phone or whatever in the morning, just eating my breakfast outside has oh, been so helpful that, yes. and I'm grateful I have the space to do so. But I think, yeah, it's a good mention of when we get sucked into the fakeness of social media it can draw us away from what feels good for us and that that can be super unique from the not, experience of there other is not folks. A, there is not a one-size-fits-all and when we scroll, it makes us feel like there is a one-size-fits-all yep. and that is just the most detrimental yeah. thing. You can definitely curate who you follow to make it fit your needs and whatever, but it's good to get the mm-hmm. time away and to just like be here, be where your feet are. Yeah. <laughs> be where your feet are. Yeah. I'd say for women, it probably is a lot tougher on social media, right? But even for guys too, if you're a guy who's listening to this and thinking, oh, well, you know, I, social media, I don't, you know, I don't really care. We have the same problems. We have the same 
issues, whether we want to admit it or not. There's a lot of unrealistic expectations on social media, whether you're a man or a woman, a, a woman who just had a baby and is, you know, trying to, quote, bounce back, right, which is fucking horrendous. Yes, that's not going to be fun for her on Instagram. Young guys who are trying to put their life together. You know, it's a very similar thing. So it, yeah, it's, I like to think about social media as like, we don't pay for it because somebody pays for it to run. So there's always well, there's we, always, we, we do correct your advertisements it. and stuff. Yeah. So and yeah. people selling things and this shift into mm -hmm. influencers and target marketing yeah. and all of that type of stuff. So when yeah. you think of it from that angle, there's always going to be it when you're plugged in online all the time, there's going to be advertisements that are trying to prove to you that you need to buy a product. So if they're making you feel uncomfortable with yourself and then they're advertising that they have the solution to this and you're seeing that all mm -hmm. the time, then you start to feel like, well, the things that I have are not enough for me. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the reality all the time if you're really grounded and in your space and in your community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by yeah. we're paying for it, right? We might not be paying for it up front, but mm -hmm. it comes yeah. back full circle and, you know, we end up paying for it. Before we let everyone go here, any closing thoughts about root chakra, grounding, um, something you want to give people to walk away with? I just think for all of these things that we'll talk about, it's all a personal experience. And in Caitlin's words, it's your personal observation and being the observer mm -hmm. of what you're experiencing and recognizing that it's not a one size fits all and just continue that journey of getting comfortable asking yourself questions and being an observer of your yeah. life. For me, it's always been like find your people that you feel comfortable with, find your community that you feel comfortable with. That's the biggest thing I associate with root chakra in my perspective of when mm -hmm. I felt grounded, when I haven't felt grounded. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely can look very different and nuanced based on so many different things. Like we're talking about, we brought up food, right? Like home cooked meals, like maybe mm -hmm. doesn't click for you, but it could for somebody else. So find your people, find your community, be compassionate when you're trying to figure it out. And if you ever want a hug, Corey's yeah. come on by. <laughs> yeah, come on to Corey. Yeah. Awesome. Be where your feet yeah, are. Yeah, it's a good wrap up. Be where your feet are. All right. Well, Caitlin, thanks, thanks for joining us Thanks for having today. me. Thanks, Caitlin. This is the first, but almost definitely not the last time we're going to have well, Caitlin Well, it might be the last many, many, before many our little friend arrives. Yes, so, that's right. But Caitlin will be back. <laughs> I'll have a nice perspective shift by then, I'm sure. <laughs> Caitlin's oh, yeah. going to come back and say, we need to redo the root chakra. I have a lot more to say on this now. <laughs> well, I think, I think by the time, I think by the time small Paul has been bestowed upon the world and Caitlin's ready to come back and do another podcast, I'm pretty sure we're going to be towards the end of the season. Yeah. So maybe we can... Uh, We'll bring you back for maybe, season maybe, two. <laughs> or or we'll come back for end of season one with special guest yeah. Small Paul. We'll give him a mic and <laughs> everything. He gets a mic and everything. I'll get that kid mic'd up. All right, Caitlin, thanks, thanks for joining us. Corey, thank you, as always. Thanks. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, if you want to find us, we're online, westsideyogapvd.com. Find us on Instagram at westsideyogapvd with underscores in between each word. Thank you all. Have a good one.